All right, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, it's been a while, and uh, we've got another set of stories to tell you. Uh, we're going to talk about maintenance hail today. Um, you know, my journey as an owner-operator, um, uh, the, the experience that I gained, you know, operating a truck without a maintenance department, you know, because, you know, if you're a company driver or if you've leased a truck, you've got people that, that take care of a lot of this stuff for you. But when you get out here on your own and it's time to get things fixed, you're, you know, you've got to do it yourself. And, um, you know, I learned a lot. I made some good relationships. And, and then when Larry and I got together and we start getting more trucks, uh, there's more opportunities to have failures and go through things. So uh, the last four and a half months have really taxed uh, us and our system and our principles and our priorities and, uh, Larry's checkbook, and uh, so we're going to go through this because here's the here's the overarching picture. It, it's my opinion that if you measured the on-time percentage of all these carriers in the United States, you would you would probably come up with a 95 percent on-time rating. But if you measured the shops you're going to get about a 95% failure rate. And for the carriers, the drivers, um, when we do things wrong, it costs us money. And when the shops do stuff wrong, it costs them nothing. Um, you know, we all in this industry, time is money, and we run on these really, really, really tight schedules. But when you go into a shop, the clock stops, the world stops turning, and now you're at their you're at their mercy. And, you know, we have sat down with shops and, 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 and I mean, we probably what had a two hour, three hour, two hour conversation with a guy uh, that was the service manager for the shop and said, look, here's our philosophy. Here's what we do and why we do it. And here's the expectations that we have. Um, and, you know, this was building a new relationship with a shop where we said, look, we're coming to you to spend a lot of money right? But we need somebody that can get this stuff done, keep us in the loop, let us know what's happening, do your absolute level best to um, expedite the repairs so that, you know, and, and we got what turned out to be a lot of lip service. Now, I'm not going to pull anybody's pants down in this episode. I'm not going to go all with this guy and everybody's names and name the shop because that's not what this is about. This is about uh, a fundamental understanding that the maintenance side of the trucking industry is horribly, horribly broken. Um, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's um, because we have seen the examples. We have, now we will mention the names of the people we like, you know, but I'm, I don't need to tear everybody down. Uh, they know who they are. So let's go back. Let's give you a little bit of timeline for context. So, we had a Cascadia. We've talked about that truck on the podcast. We've talked about what happened to it. So I'm just going to give you some of the highlights. So we had a Cascadia that on May 29th uh, broke down. And we got a call from the driver. And of course, this truck had broken down before. We got a call from the driver. I went out. I started it. It ran really bad for five minutes and it shut off. Rather than sending someone out there, we decided straight to the shop straight to the shop in West Virginia that we 
that we had a relationship with. And I, I want to say it was a $1,400 tow bill, if my memory serves. So that truck breaks down. Um, we knew it was bad because we, had, we did get a code out of it that said coolant and fuel. Well, you get coolant and fuel together, and that's just bad news. So to, uh, to keep the driver moving, I went ahead and went on vacation and gave him my truck and my freight. So for two weeks, he drove my truck. That was the plan. And then we've got two weeks now to figure out this Cascadia. Well, it took about a week and $3,500 just to get a diagnosis. Cracked head. So um, I just happened to look online at a, at a for sale by owner page and found this Volvo. It's 2000 Volvo. And we started looking at it and thinking we could buy this Volvo that has a 12.7 Detroit cheaper than we could fix this Cascadia. And we bounded it back and forth for a couple of days and decided to pull that trigger. So Larry flew to Florida. And so the plan was to uh, get that Volvo on the road. We took all of our modifications and our tires and all that stuff off of that Cascadia and stripped that Cascadia of everything we could get off of it, put it onto that Volvo. And then we decided, well, I'll go ahead and drive it for a few weeks and shake it down and we'll keep the driver in my truck. Okay, so this t- I just got my truck back last week. So I haven't had my truck for four and a half months. So that truck breaks down on the 29th. We get him moving on June 2nd. So he was only down a couple of days. So he starts running my freight. Seven days later, I get a call, and this is the truck where broke the transmission. Uh, the bell housing breaks. The transmission does loops inside the frame rails. We get that truck towed to a shop. We uh, get some kind of diagnosis. It's bad. I mean, it's catastrophic bad. So in order to take care of the driver, Larry and I drove to Virginia, picked him up, took him home, uh, came back. I think Larry drove about 1,200 miles in 24 hours. So we get, we get that fire put out. Well, now we've got three drivers and two trucks. So there's a BCO uh, guy that has a shop uh, out in Kentucky, and he rents trucks. So we rented his truck for our guy to drive. So now we've got the driver taken care of. Now, we're not making any money off of this because, you know, he's, he's our driver, but he's driving that other guy's truck. So, you know, we, we're now two trucks setting still making zero money. Um. It takes till about, so we put, so we decided to put the guy that was in the broken bell housing truck in the Volvo, and we kept our other guy in my truck. So we eventually get, uh, we eventually get, it takes till about August the 5th or so, we finally get, we had to do an engine swap on that, on that truck. We, we took our old truck that had been wrecked, and we take the two trucks, we put them together, we make them one. During that process, um, I've got, so I got one story on that blue truck that broke the transmission. So when we took the motor and transmission out of the truck that had been wrecked, uh, they cut the gear shift off of it when we had them cut the body off so that we could move it. 
and I need, so it, it had a Rockwell transmission. A Rockwell transmission has electric over air on your range selector. So you had to have a special wiring harness and, and you had to have a special knob on the, on the shifter knob. So I go up there on the day the truck is due to be delivered to me. I walk into the shop. Parts manager standing there. Hey, uh, that shifter knob's back ordered 52 weeks. I'm like, okay, so where are you going to get one? Well, I, uh, I don't know. I said, well, give me the part number. So I sat down in the service manager's office, the service manager, the guy that's in charge. I sat down in his office, and within 10 minutes, I had one coming, an aftermarket part. It wasn't a Rockwell Meritor part. It was an aftermarket part by a company called New, New something. I can't remember. So it took me 10 minutes and I, and I'm, I'm sitting here kind of thinking, you know, if you guys would have just let me know y'all, they'd had that truck, what, six weeks had been sitting there. Well, it's sitting there at least a month, at least a month, at least a month. And I'm thinking in a month, you can't call me and say, man, I, boy, we're having a hard time finding this shifter. No, we, I'll find it. I'll find it and I'll have it there tomorrow. Cause I got the internet. So I get that ordered. I pay the freight to have it shipped overnight. It comes in the next morning. So I go up there the next day. Now we're one day late and I'm having a little voltage issue. And instead of waiting on somebody, I'm just digging into the dash to try to find this thing. And I've got it found and fixed and I'm working on it. I'm putting the dash back together. And the service manager comes walking up and he's got this, he's excited look on his face. And he goes, Hey man, I said, what's up? He goes, yeah, you ain't going to believe this. We're a new something-something dealer, new star. We're a new star dealer. And I'm looking down at the hole in the floor where the guy's hooking up that gear shift, and I'm thinking, unhook it so I can hit this moron in the head with it. I, you're a new star dealer, but I had to come into your office and I had to get on the computer, and I had to order it, and I had to ship it to have it in here to put it on my truck because you're a dealer for them, and you don't even know it. Really? So, we get the truck back. Um, you have to refresh my memory. Uh, on this truck, I guess they, well, let's see, I had to put an intake manifold on it. Uh, we had some stuff to do. They, they didn't, there's some simple things with them that we have tried to, um, we have tried to emphasize, okay? If you are working on my truck and you see something that is rusted, old, worn out, busted, broken, don't even call me. Just replace it. It's going to be 50 bucks. It's going to be 100 bucks. All right? You've got the cooling system drained. You don't put junk back on my truck. I understand there's probably people in the industry that don't want to pay that extra 50 or whatever. I do. I've made that abundantly clear from day one. Do not put old rusted junk back on our trucks. Well, or, they, rubber, or rubber products. Yeah. Yeah, if you have the cooling system drained, 
and you don't know that those hoses are less than two years old, change them. Change them. Don't even ask me. Just change them. So we, we had a little bit of, you know, we had a little bit of work to do there. Um, so we get that truck back, and it's, it's running. All right. So then uh, that was August the 5th, right? So August the 5th, we have got – you said that was Justin to – that was August 5th we put Justin into Volvo? Right now, let me look. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> so we've got a driver permanently in the Volvo, all right? We've still got our other guy that broke down in the Cascadia still driving my truck. That's correct. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. On August 26th, my driver calls, texts me, coolant all over the side of this engine. He's driving the Larry's original truck that has the Mercedes. Coolant everywhere. Leaking from somewhere, but can't really tell. Looks like it's coming out of the head, which we find out was heads. There's six of them. So I call shop, and I said, hey, here's the situation. He says, well, it's a Mercedes. Um, they're known for cracking the heads around the freeze plug, which is what holds coolant in. So um, I'm like, okay. So I said, bring it, bring it home. Bring it to town. We went back to the guy that had the rental trucks. Um, got it, got him a truck. So this is August 26th. And we, we came in and we presented with three things. We have this severe coolant leak. We have an air conditioner that leaks and, and we have to recharge constantly. And we have an engine fan that has been a problem back since, uh, the end of May, something happened with the engine fan. I had to put a manual switch on it to be able to turn the fan off and on. Uh, we figured it was something that had to do with wiring. We just weren't sure. So on the 27th, the next day, I receive a call from the shop. Hey, uh, we're getting ready to tear these heads down. Uh, we're pretty sure it's the heads. By the way, your condenser is leaking. Your condenser is the air conditioner problem. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that, that's simple enough. I mean, we've changed 100 condensers on Columbia's and Centuries. No big deal. Please remember August 27th in your mind, condenser. So uh, he's called me and he's told me that. All right. So now we've got to get to two weeks later, uh, August 27th. So I guess it must have been September 9th. I get a call from the shop. Hey, all the parts are in. We're starting on it tomorrow. It'll be done Friday. That was Wednesday. I called Larry. Larry laughs out loud. He says, there's no way. I said, just telling you what he told me. Larry says, there's no way that truck will be done by Friday. Okay. All right. I'm just telling you what I was told. Now, Larry, <clears throat> if I said to you, all the parts are in, would that lead you to believe that all of the parts were in or most of the parts were in? Depends on who told me that. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, why would you say all the parts are in if they're not all in? <laughs> okay, so so it's Wednesday. <laughs> all the parts are in. We're starting on it in the morning. We're not stopping until it's done. It'll be done Friday. All right, well, Friday comes, and I get a text message from Larry. Yeah, he, you know, I win. It ain't going to be done until done Monday. I'm like, okay, fine. Well, 
the the day before our driver had called and this rental truck that we've got has got a transmission problem it won't go into 10th gear and he's having to like hold it in ninth gear with a bungee cord you know and i'm like okay well this ain't gonna go but a couple more days so it's good timing it's good timing that we're going to have this truck back because this rental truck's got to go back to its owner because it's got to have transmission work okay so our guy delivers he's headed home he's going to deliver on monday morning and i said here's my here's my plan my plan is we're told by the shop the truck will be ready monday tuesday at the latest i said okay i said driver here's what i want you to do i want you to deliver your load on monday morning and go home and we'll touch base with you monday evening we'll get a status report on the truck if the truck is going to be done tuesday we will have you drink, bring your trailer to west virginia and drop it and then we're going to bobtail back the truck to its owner larry will come and get you and bring you back to charleston so monday evening we get a status update with the shop uh how we doing oh gonna be ready tomorrow don't you worry about it okay good deal now we're going here's what we're doing here's all the things that we're doing um the driver's gonna be back there tuesday evening has got to have a truck to sleep in not a problem we'll have her outside gonna be done finished uh all put back together and outside for him to sleep on Okay, good deal. So we execute this plan based on what we have been told by the shop. So Tuesday comes. Driver leaves home about 3 o'clock in the morning, drives up to West Virginia, drives out to Kentucky. Larry picks him up. We ain't heard Jack from the shop. 4 o'clock, I'm trying to call the service manager's cell phone. He's not answering. So I call the shop lady answers her phone. I said, what's going on? She's like, well, let me put you to the shop foreman. I'm, okay, good deal. He picks up the phone. Hey, how we doing? Give me, a, give me a status update. Well, we're waiting on a few parts. Really? I mean, last week, all the parts were in. Well, we're waiting on a tensioner and a couple of belts. And I said, well, and, okay. And, and, and a head bolt. Oh, intake bolt. Intake bolt. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I leave that one out because they eventually found one. Uh, anyway, they said intake. We need an intake bolt. We need two belts and we need a tensioner. And I said, okay. Well, I had asked. We, we, we had decided to replace about a $500 wiring harness to fix this engine fan issue. While you have the motor apart, let's go ahead and fix this, this uh, wipe out this engine fan problem with a new harness. Truck's got 1.8 million miles on it. Can't hurt to put a harness on it. And I said, uh, okay, so we're waiting on belts. And I said, uh, well, do we know if this fan issue is fixed because of the harness? Uh, no, man, we can't start this truck. That should have been a giant red flag and I missed it. We can't start this truck. And I'm kind of thinking it don't have belts. You know, how can you not start a truck without belts long enough to know, you know, if the check engine light's not on. So we got to put the driver in the hotel and I service manager i'm like you pick up my driver to hotel and bring him over he'll well, have but you oh, you, oh, let, you oh, left oh, out did. a little part i of did that. i did larry stops turns around and goes back to lexington well, no wait 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 so i get this 
shop foreman on the phone and I'm like, well, what parts are you missing? He says, I said, well, when are you going to get the parts? He goes, well, we're hoping, (laughs) we're hoping we'll have them in the morning. So I said, well, I have a problem with that word hope because I'm, you know, it's not our first rodeo here with you guys. And usually when you hope something happens, it happens about two weeks after you hoped it happened. So, um, tell me what the parts are. And he told me, and I said, well, <clears throat> tell you what, let me make a phone call and, um, I'll get back to you. I just drove by Freightliner dealership in Lexington, Kentucky, just drove by. So I stopped and I called him. I gave him the part numbers we needed and they said, yeah, we got it all. So I turned around, went back and got him, called the guy. And I said, well, look, I'm bringing the parts. I'm bringing the parts with the drivers. We don't have to worry about where the hope's going to get there or not. They will be there with the driver. So, um, I don't. It it just ragged me out that they've got a, a they've got a parts department there. Their job is to find parts. You okay? would certainly think so, wouldn't you? Their job is to is to expedite parts. Their job is to do whatever they can do to get parts there to fix these this truck that's in the storage box that had been there for a month at this point in time. And everybody in the in the building knows that we're coming after that truck in the morning, but yet it it's not it does it it, it doesn't cause them to think. Well, maybe I should try something other than the normal procedure to get these parts. And that's what, that's what pisses me off about, about the repair industry in, in trucking is everybody has a procedure and nobody has the authority or the desire or the wherewithal to be able to have a, a, a plan B when, when, when the normal procedure is not producing the results that you want, they just throw up their hands and go, well, that's just what, how it has to be. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, Chris called somebody to get a gear shift knob. It was there the next day that they were not going to be able to get for 52 weeks. You know, they're hoping and praying that the parts we need for this truck are going to be there tomorrow. And all I had to do was make a phone call and go get them. You know, I I said, dude, I'm in the logistics business. Okay. You know, I, there's not any way that I couldn't tell you where that is and how long it's going to be. I'm embarrassed for you that you're this inept or you don't give a rat's ass one or the other about taking care of your customer. My God, if we treated our customers the way we get treated at these shops, we'd been out of business nine years ago. Okay. Yep. It is just, and, and the, the thing that when you sit there and I'm a root, I'm a root problem kind of guy. So I look at this and I'm go, okay, well, you know, we've, we've got a horrible employee here. We've got a shitty procedure here. You know, we've got this, that, and the other. That's all you know, it, Ray Charles could see that. Okay. So, but here's the problem. Here's the real problem with this. Okay. There's no, there's no, um, price. Consequence. That, that yeah, exactly. There's not. There's not a. There's not a consequence, or there's not a. There's not a cost to someone's wallet for this type of lackadaisical a- attitude. And here's the reason why: 
their clientele are not based on loyalty for the most part. Their clientele are based on geography. If you have a truck that breaks down on I-77 or I-64 in West Virginia, and you've got a certain brand motor, because towing costs so much, you're going to tow to the nearest place. And guess what? That's going to be this place. Now, it's not like they go, well, I'm going to go over to the, to the Peterbilt plate. No, you're not. You're going, that's the only place you're going to go. It's the closest place that fixes your brand truck and your brand motor. And it's the only one in probably, I don't know, 200 miles. Yeah. So that's why they can stay in business and, 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 and be so horrible in customer service is because there's no consequence. And when, and when they screw you over with your truck, there's 30 more of them out in the parking lot that hadn't even got in yet, that hadn't got screwed over yet. Yep. So they're just waiting in line with Fastlane in hand, okay? So that's, that's why this works. You know, it, it would never work in any other, you know, if it was a local car dealership, they would be out of business because yep. people will decide not to go there. They'll go across the whole, you know, the, 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 the town to an independent or whatever, but they won't go there. But there's just no way that anybody knows that. And the majority of their business are huge fleets and the people that are writing those checks couldn't care less either. So it, it, all of us pay a price for horrible, horrible service from an industry that is completely, completely uh, without any um, consequence is the best word to use for, 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 for providing horrible customer service and not really care, you know. We have spent, I can't even, we have spent thousands, tens of thousands, maybe $100,000 over the life of our relationship with this shop. And we, and and they could care less. They honestly could care less, you know. And I am not lacking in empathy, okay? Because let's, let's keep in mind, I was not given a Tuesday or Wednesday um, estimation ETA of delivery and then trying to get it on Thursday or Friday of the pre- previous week. No, right. No. I'm not, I'm not trying to rush the process. I'm given a delivery date of Friday. Okay. Which we knew was bullshit from the word go, but okay. But regardless, I was given a delivery date of Friday. Okay. Then I was given a delivery date of Monday. Then I was given a absolute not a problem. We'll have her done Tuesday. Okay. So, you know. Oh, and by, right, oh, and by the way, when we get there on Tuesday morning, the two belts and the bolt oh, and, the, and the tensioner. Okay. Right, I'm getting you, there. Oh, just, just buckle up. <laughs> buckle up, folks, and get ready. All right. So, Larry has made an executive decision. He's, he's called an audible. He has turned around and gone back to Lexington. Get this two the two belts, a tensioner, and an intake bolt, because that's all we need, right? According to them. That's According all to them. Yeah. So we call him back, talk at five o'clock. He says, Well, hey, we found the intake bolt, so we don't need that. And I'm like, Well, the belts and the tensioner are going to be there at seven o'clock in the morning. You you go pick the driver up at the hotel. So he does. I guess it was about eleven thirty. The driver texts me, hey, I think there was a little more left to do. And I'm like. You had to know the driver here. He's. Really? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, he's awesome. 
Right. But he, yeah. you know, he's, he's just, he's observing. Okay. But he doesn't have the mechanical, uh, experience that Larry and I do. I mean, I, I'm at the point now where I, I can, I can point out all the parts and pieces. Our driver can't, he, he just doesn't have that knowledge yet. He just knows that there's parts everywhere out in front of this truck, that this truck is not anywhere under any law of nature possibly going to be put back together anytime soon. Okay. Those four parts they needed, they could have gotten those the next day and still oh. not held up anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, two thirty, fourteen thirty in the afternoon, Larry talks to the service manager. They're just now putting the intake manifold and turbo on. Okay. Now pause. Let's go back to Friday. All right. We go back to Friday and we're discussing the plan for what we're going to do based on the information we have been given. We've got the driver booked on a $5 a mile load out of Columbus, Ohio on, on, uh, on, uh, Tuesday. Cause the truck's going to be done. No, it didn't load. To, it didn't load to like seven o'clock at night. So we had all day Tuesday as a, as a, as right. a wiggle right. room. Seven, you know? 1900, 1900 pickup time. We said, Hey, that truck has got to roll at 1600 because he's got a two and a half hour drive to a $5 a mile load. So two thirty, they're just now putting the intake manifold and turbo on it, and they're struggling. They're having yeah, a hard my, time. My guy's having a hard time getting. He's having to use a crane, and he's having a hard time <clears throat> getting that on there. I mean, I, so, so it's uh, so so that's two thirty. All right. So at about fifteen to four, I get another text from my driver, and he says, uh, "Hey, they just told me that they believe." believe that the ac condenser is on back order and the old condenser is still on the truck so the next words out of my mouth were a bunch of expletives and so i call the freightliner dealer that's 12 miles away and i said hey look up this uh condenser he looks it up he says we got three of them I said, will you take one up to Charleston and hit him in the mouth with it? And he kind of laughs uncomfortably. And I said, uh, what, what about back order? He says, I, I have no idea. I could have 318 of them here tomorrow if you want. So about 4.30, Larry and I get the service manager on the phone in a three-way call. And we commenced to chewing. Uh, and to his credit, he sat there and took it because we lit his ass on fire for about a good 40 minutes. Um, we, we went after everybody, but his mama. Um, and there was all of these excuses that have worked for him in the past, I guess. Um, you know, Larry's like, your parts department is absolutely worthless. And he's like, I cannot disagree with that assessment. And I said, and your corporate people are obsessed with a bunch of bullshit that doesn't matter, and they, they don't give a damn about stuff that does. I cannot disagree with that assessment. So where I'm holding the condenser in my back pocket. I haven't said anything about that yet. I said, tell me about this condenser. Oh, well, you know, I mean, we ordered it and it didn't, get, it didn't come in and blah, 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 blah. And we like to get it from this place because they're cheaper. 
And I said, there's one 12 miles away. Um, oh, I said, yeah, yeah. Uh, I said, how are we going to get that condenser on our truck? Uh, um, w- uh, well, um, I said, here's an idea. How about you get your ass in the pickup truck and drive down there and get it? Well, they're going to be close before I get there. Don't worry about it. I'll pay for it and have it waiting outside for you. So I called the dealer. Of course, I'm on first-name basis with the parts guys. Uh, I wouldn't let their shop anywhere near my trucks, but the parts guys are pretty good. And I said, here's what I need. Set it outside. He'll be there to get it shortly. So he goes down there and gets it. So at about 6 o'clock, now we've had to call the agent with two hours' notice and cancel, let me repeat, a $5 a mile load. Can y'all imagine how happy an agent is to hear from us that we're, that we're broke down two hours before we've got to pick up a $5 a mile load? You, you imagine what kind of morons we look like that we can't go pick up a $5 a mile load because we're sitting around with a thumb up our asses waiting on these guys to put this truck back together. I digress. And remind you, it's been there now for a month for right. a head gasket or a, a cracked head. Okay. Right. A month. So <clears throat> six o'clock, I get notification. Hey, we're back together. We're going to throw it on the dyno just to run it, get it up temperature, check, make sure everything's good, no leaks and all that. I said, okay, great. So about eight o'clock, um, I receive a call from the service manager we put it on the dyno. Everything's working great. We got the condenser on. But by the way, excuse me, but by the way, uh, the AC lines at the dryer are in pretty bad shape, uh, and it's leaking there too. Now, let me fast forward for a second. When I, when I saw that truck with my own eyes, these AC lines that you would practically have to bang your knees into while you're working on the heads. I mean, they're, they're literally right there in front of you, okay? But you couldn't see that. You couldn't see these rotted AC lines that are literally right in front of your kneecaps while you're taking the heads off the engine. Um, now, by the way, while this is happening, our guy Carl, RTA mechanic, is texting me. They got that truck done yet? They got that truck done yet? And I'm going, No. By this time, I'm putting a bunch of adjectives in there. And he's like, well, you, you got to bring that to me when it's done. You, you got you got to bring it to me and let me go over it. And I'm like, buddy, I don't have time. I, I You know. So, 8 o'clock, he calls. We ran it on the dyno. Everything's good. The AC's leaking at the dryer. And then he says, well, uh, man, this engine van's still connected to this manual switch. And I'm like, Why? Why? We put a $500 harness on that to eliminate that manual switch. Oh, well, whoever put this switch on here, cut the wires and dot, 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 I said, yeah, I did that. I did that four months ago. And I, you and I have had like 10 conversations about all the different ways that it could be, and it probably was this wiring harness. So let's go ahead and change the harness while the engine's tore down, and it'll fix the problem. Oh, uh, well, uh, it don't work. <sighs> so let me remind you, it's been there a month. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
for a head gasket. So we go ahead and take it to Carl. And Carl crawls under it and is instantly livid. You know, stuff rubbing, stuff that is unsecured, rubbing against the frame, rubbing against the motor. Um, the, the new wiring harness is routed. looks like Stevie, Stevie wonder routed this, this brand new $500 wiring harness. It's rubbing all kinds of stuff. There's, you know, fuel lines about to have holes rubbed in them. And then he sends me a picture on the, on the Detroit. You have four shunt tubes that come out of the oil cooler. And that's how the coolant gets to your heater cores in the back and the front on the Mercedes. There's only two of them two shunt tubes come out of the near the front of the motor near the water pump and they go to the front heater core and the rear heater core is just hooked with heater hose y'all these shunt tube pipes are almost rusted into like like it's a miracle that they're not leaking i'm now chris i just had those replaced uh tuesday by carl course okay but i'm standing there watching him these shunt lines are literally bolted to the heads i don't even know how they were able to take the heads off this truck without breaking these rusty ass coolant pipes again they're right in front of you they're literally in your way how do you look at a truck with 1.8 million miles on it and go, whoo, boy, those are some rusty-ass pipes. Yeah, let's leave those on there. That, they'll be fine. <clears throat> of course, Carl had to cut them off, literally, with a cutoff wheel because they were so rusted you couldn't unscrew the nut. You just had to cut it off and then take the nut off. This is a level of incompetence that would not be tolerated anywhere else in any other facet of the industry. The brokers can't get away with it. The carriers can't get away with it. The drivers can't get away with it. Hell, the customers can't get away with it. If customers, people that load our trailers with their products that they're paying us to haul, treated us this way, we just wouldn't haul their freight anymore. You know? Or they would have to pay detention, or they, they would get charged something, or they would just end up with such a horrible reputation that nobody would want to go and it. but guess what the next day there was no time wasted getting us that thirteen thousand dollar bill no time wasted at all to get that thirteen thousand dollar bill it's unfathomable and, and of course so many of us don't really get to see it in the industry you know i didn't i never knew i mean i kind of did back in the day when i worked for schneider i had a coolant leak on a truck and i kept taking it into the shop and they kept telling me they couldn't find it and i i don't know i crawled up on top of the engine for something i looked down and there was a line dripping coolant directly onto the turbo and that's why these morons couldn't find it because it evaporated as soon as and i walked back in the shop and i'm like dude come here and and i cross so i crawl up on top of that motor why just do it he crawls up. There. I said, now look down. And he goes, well, I'll be damned. That coolant line's leaking. I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to get you sons of bitches to fix it for two months. But your company driver found it, not your trained seasoned mechanic. You know, 
so, you know, I've got the truck back. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, we probably spent another almost $2,000 with Carl just fixing stuff, you know, but it's stuff that's so glaringly obvious. It, it's, I can understand if it's something that's buried behind something and you just can't see it and you're not aware of it. But y'all, when you disassemble the whole top of the engine, the, it, 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 these are the factory trained OEMs. Yep. I mean, th- this is why I, people talk about buying a truck with a warranty. Well, let's just assume that this was covered by a warranty. Let's just take that argument. And warranty paid the biggest part of that $13,000 bill. Today's revenue numbers, that truck sat there and lost $42,000 of the revenue in the time it was in that shop. Oh, well, we got the warranty paid for the parts, yeah. And this was a customer pay job, which they get paid 150 bucks an hour for. Had that been warranty, they'd have got paid a fraction of that. You think they would, you, how do you think the customer service would have been on that bill? You know? Um, so, you know, in my opinion, warranties are worthless. The $13,000 were the least of our issues here. That's the least of our problem. You know, who pays for this lost revenue, you know? And you can guarantee if it's a warranty job, they're really not going to look for that extra stuff. They are going to go in and do the one specific thing they were supposed to do. And that's it. Nothing else. It's complete tunnel vision, which is probably part of what has created this monster is all this warranty work because we treat the OEMs like gods, like, like, well, uh, nobody else can fix it. Better take it to the dealer. No, God, no, don't take it to the dealer. Don't take it to the engine dealer. Don't take it to the OEM, the truck dealer, because this is the kind of garbage you're going to end up with. You need to go find somebody like Carl. And we've got a new guy named Billy that we found and just begun a relationship with. I'll take these guys any day of the week. Now, look, from as a listener, we've been talking 54 minutes now about one incident with one shop with one truck. Now, you, you think, well, just why would you go there? Go to a different place. Well, we could have this 54-minute conversation about probably 95 out of 100 places that we've gone to. Yep. It's not like this is like some extraordinary example. It's not. I could tell you about a, an, another Freightliner dealership in, in, in Ohio that did had to do the rear ends on that truck three times. Yep. And it still ain't right. (laughs) I asked Chris the other day, I said, Chris, in the two years that we've been together, how many times have we gone to a shop and had the work done right? Wow. And and what percentage would that be? Now, we don't, I'm not going to take the time to, to do the research on that, but my guess would be, 10. 5%, 10%, 5 percent, ten percent, ten percent. Yeah, you know. I, so nine out of ten okay, times we go but, to the shop. But here's the caveat: 
most of the time we've done the work before it got there to figure out what was wrong with it. Yeah, right. Part of the, most of the time. True. Yeah. So nine out of 10 times you go to a shop, they're not going to do the job either correctly, thoroughly, misdiagnose it, fix the wrong thing. We just got a truck out of a shop and, um, well, I mean, we can, we, well, I can give you a hundred examples of that, <laughs> but you don't get 30 miles down the road and the problem presents itself again, you know? Now it'd be nice if the guys would go, well, okay, let's tow it back for our, uh, for free and we'll fix it with no other chart. No, it's no. like you start all over again. Well, you, this, this happened after it left, you know, and it's just your word against theirs. And when you've got a, you know, a driver there that, you know, that doesn't understand how to stand up to that kind of stuff. So the other, the other thing about this is don't ever feel like you're out of place by going in and watching somebody work on your truck and asking them questions, you know, because chances are they don't know more, more about than you do. And an extra set of eyes can't do anything but help you. It's certainly not going to hurt you. Yep. And, um, you know, we're trying to teach our guys now, you know, you can't just walk into a shop and give them the orders to fix something and go to the restaurant and think that it's going to be fixed. You know, you got to stay there. Do, you can't do that on a chassis loop. Yeah. You got to stay there. You got to watch everything they do. We've actually had our, our services. Now we're doing it. Speedco. I don't mind saying that. And the reason we do that is because Speedco not only will they allow you to stay in the shop, they invite you to stay in the shop. They want you to yep. witness them doing this, that, and the other. So now we do all of our services at Speedco for that very reason, because I want my driver to sit there and I want him to watch you do this job. You know, now he may not know any more about it, but at least he's learning. At least we've got a second set of eyes. At least he's got a, a phone with a camera that he can send me or Chris a video and we know what the hell we're doing. So um, I guess the moral of the story we're trying to tell you is that you, you can, you just, you cannot trust that anything that's done to your truck by shop is going to be done properly. Um, also, also don't ever pay a bill from a shop without going over it line by line. I've hardly ever, hardly ever have I gotten an invoice for doing a repair that there was a mistake on. Yep. Never. And, um, I mean, sometimes it'll be glaring. Sometimes it'll be, they won't have given you core credits. Sometimes it'll be you, you use six inches of wire. They charge you for a hundred foot roll. Yep. Still, if you pay that bill and you don't look at it and question it, I promise you're leaving money on the table. It, we have the things that we have now learned as a fleet, you know, because our, our opportunities are quintuple, you know, that you, you have one, I had one truck and I learned a lot. Well, now we have five. And so we have now implemented a new system. Our maintenance schedule, Larry came up with ABCD. Um, our trucks will be, we should in theory have some, I'm using air finger quotes here, qualified technician looking at them every 12,500 miles. Every 12.5, we're doing something. A chassis lube, a filter change, a chassis lube, other filter changes, 
another chassis lube, you know, chassis lube every 12.5, right? If you're, if you happen to be listening to this and you're a technician, when you have an opportunity, you can be a voice and a set of eyes for your customer. Okay. My friend Diesel Dan that I've had on the podcast years ago that has rebuilt his own truck from the ground up even says, Hey, I like doing the 120 because it gets another pair of eyes under the truck. You know, somebody else is looking, even though he can fully, there's nothing on that truck that he can't do. He built the engine, he can do the transmission, he can do everything, right? But he has somebody get under there and look around just to make sure he hasn't missed something. But that is a foreign concept, you know, to say, look, you're under there. Look for a hose that's rubbing. Look for something that's beginning to rust. It's not about pass and fail. You know, it's not about avoiding the DOT. It's avoiding problems, right? Because the gremlin is going to shut me down a lot sooner than the DOT will. You know, these little gremlins that pop up where, you know, a, a, a piece of plastic zip tie breaks and now a brake hose is rubbing against the frame. Now the, now the brake hose has got a hole in it. Now we're sitting on the side of the road with no brakes. You know, I'm a whole lot more concerned about little mechanical and electrical gremlins than I am the DOT. The, the, the statistical probability is way out of whack there. So we, and, so we just got a truck back yesterday. Uh, that we haven't seen in probably six months. It's been running dedicated freight, uh, and it's just not been in the area. And so we got it back, and I immediately do a walk around, and I find just, just a bunch of nonsense where over that time that we haven't been able to physically see it and other people have had to work on it, we've got a coolant hose. It's all Well, two coolant hoses are rubbing together and almost got a hole in it, right? which was the result of a coolant repair where a hose was leaking at a clamp. They put a new piece of hose on it, zip tied it to a, a rusty metal radiator support, and then have two, two rubber hoses rubbing across each other. Okay. We had a high pressure AC switch. The, uh, the little pigtail was bad. We bought a pigtail, had it put on a TA. The wires are just flopping everywhere. They're six inches longer than they need to be. Uh, not secured, not zip tied, not loomed, nothing, you know, and it's, it's absolutely inexcusable that it's like, well, just get it working. As long as it works, it doesn't matter if it works a day from now, a week from now, a month from now, as long as it's working when I'm looking at it and it rolls out the door, I don't give a damn, you know, that is, it's unacceptable, Right. And it's up to us to hold these shops accountable, you know. Um, uh, well, let's, again, let's big picture this, Chris. The reason that we're talking about this is because we're in the business of teaching people how to go from company driver to owner-operator. And one of the things that we, especially with younger drivers today, is that a lot of them don't have any mechanical experience whatsoever, you know. So they have a pretty significant um, skill set there that they don't have any expertise in and leaves them vulnerable to this situation because they don't have, they don't think they have the, um, 
the knowledge base and the authority to question, you know, work being done. Well, it doesn't take a lot of knowledge base and experience to look at that repair right there and go, wait a minute, that doesn't look like that's the way it's supposed to be, you know? And, um, and so that, that's why we're trying to, I guess, emphasize this so much is that we, you know, we, we tell you all the, you know, business is, is about minimizing risk or saying, okay, so all the other things we do, we, it's designed to minimize, minimize risk and lower cost. So we can't just ignore the maintenance side of this because this would, oh, this could possibly offset everything that we do in the cost saving part of the thing. If, if the maintenance is done incorrectly, repairs are done you know, incorrectly, you're, all, all the money you're saving by fuel strategies and everything else we're doing, you're leaving at the shop. So if you're going to be an owner operator, you're going to is through experience. And so um, we're trying to share our experiences, but at, the, but at the same time, the big thing here is that the only way you learn is by asking, you know, laying in the, in the, in the bunk while a guy's working on your truck, that's teaching you zero, yep. you know, uh, watching him work and asking him questions. That's how you learn, you know, yep. and, and, and unfortunately being on the bad end of these un, improper repairs, you go, wait a minute, that shouldn't have been done that way. You know, that's that old school hard knocks, you know? Um, but that's what you, ha- you, you, you're, you're at a complete disadvantage if you don't take part some way, shape or form in the maintenance of your truck, if not doing the work, at least supervising the work. And I'll tell you uh, this, I feel, I feel kind of guilty because I knew, I knew fundamentally how good Carl was, but I was blinded by this prejudice that I was programmed with that, well, there are just certain things you have to go to the dealer, you know, well, you just, I mean, you know, well, y'all, here's the reality. We, we live in a world now where a TA mechanic that most people would make fun of is 10 times the troubleshooter, 10 times the mechanic, 10 times the technician of anybody I've ever met at a dealer. Um, and, and <laughs> there are, I can give you specific instances where we have spent way, a bunch of money and then... Carl ended up fixing it, you know, for next to nothing. Uh, So you cannot just assume that a TA mechanic or an independent shop or, you know, someone else, uh, if they don't work for a dealer, that they, they're not worthy. I guarantee you, you're going to find those people, but it, it takes time. You know, Um, there's nothing nothing that I would now not trust Carl to do. I, I, I would trust him implicitly. Um, he is my first stop when it comes to, Hey, all right, trucks doing this. What do you think? And he'll, he'll think on it for a minute. Well, you know, well, it's gotta be this. It's gotta be that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I don't have a teleporter and I can't, you know, I can't beam him up 600 miles, although I'd like to, um, uh, to send him to a truck, but, we have towed trucks to get them to a dealer. Um, I can guarantee you that in, in some cases, you know, I would rather tow it to Carl, <clears throat> but I can tell you that um, I will not, 
ever let a truck go as long as this one that we just got back. I'll never let one go that long again without having Carl inspect it. Um, you know, yeah, part of our, part of our reassessment, like going to Speedco is that now we're, we're, we're going to, and we are insisting that every one of our drivers, when it comes time, comes time for them to do their 120 day DOT inspection that Landstar requires, it has to be done at, in West Virginia, Carl, when Carl has to do it. He is yep. an inspector at a TA, at, which is an approved shop. Yeah. So, um, now sidebar, just in case you're a Landstar BCO and you're hearing this and you, you're hearing us talk about the virtues of Carl. Yeah. If your truck sucks, don't take it to him for 120 because he will well, fail take it. it to him because it needs to be fixed. You know? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying um, if your truck sucks and you don't want to fix it, don't take it to Carl because he will fail you, you know? Right. And right. he won't feel bad about it. You know, uh, he'll, he'll try to help you out in every way he can, but if you bring in a busted piece of garbage in there and you think he, you know, he's going to let it go, it ain't happening, you know, but that's what we want. I don't want someone to just pass it so I can move on to the next thing because y'all trucks on the side of the road don't make any money and we're here to make money. That's why we do this. Yeah. And, um, well, I'm I was going to touch on a little comment that I was made to me this week on Facebook, but we'll cover that another time. Um, you want to get to the big news? Yeah, we've got, we've been teasing that we're trying to find a way of helping more people than we're able to help. A little background here. First of the year, our goal was to have five additional trucks by the end of 2020. And then mm-hmm. some, Something 2020 <laughs> you know, I, you know, I should have known that I could should have seen this coming because way, way back when I was a young man running around, there was a product called mad dog 2020 that I may have been, <laughs> I may have bought some. Yeah. And it was time to tell us back then what was going to happen in 2020, you know? Yep. In all seriousness. So we, we put, we tapped the brakes on that because we didn't, you know, had no idea what was going to happen to our industry and, and, April, May, June, I guess was the three biggest months. So, and, and now we, we've lost the momentum because buying trucks the way we do, you kind of have to have a pipeline and, and we let that pipeline basically just uh, empty out uh, when we, when we just said, you know, look, we're just going to stay where we are, even though I did buy a truck in June. But so anyway, I had an idea. I, I, here was, here was my thought. I'm like, okay, because of the podcast and, and because of, I guess, people wanting to participate in what we are preaching here and become lunatics and, and this sort of thing, we have got a, a higher demand for positions than we have trucks that we can fill. And, and we don't have any turnover. So when we hire somebody, they're here for a year, year and a half, two years, you know, so it's not like yep. we're going to just absolutely have an opening next week, you know. And so when we when we stopped the process of buying trucks that stopped the possibility of us being able to bring anybody else on for a while. Yeah. And we felt bad because we were telling people we were hiring drivers and we were trying to get the pipeline full and several of you we've talked to and and that sort of thing. So anyway, um, I was supposed to be on vacation this week, but hurricane Sally changed that for me because where I go every year is uninhabitable right now. So, uh, I had time on my hands and so I, you know, how that, uh, 
what's that saying? Idle hands or the devil's workshop. Yeah. Well, the devil came up with an idea that, you know, I have seen so many cases of people on Facebook, uh, Landstar VCOs, always advertising for drivers, you know, always, you know, and can't keep a driver. So now part of that is probably their fault, but that's a different conversation. But I thought, well, you know, I can supply a certain number of drivers with what the, what we have right now, not to mention what we could attract if we were to open it up. So I came up with the idea that we'll offer a service to select, select me in the keyword there, BCOs, that if they have a um, truck that meets our standards um, and they're the type that will accept uh, our management style on their truck, that we would work out an arrangement. We would lease their truck from them, put it under our fleet at Landstar, manage the truck, put the driver in it, do everything just like it's our truck, except for being responsible for the um, uh, maintenance. And so I put uh, a, a notice to that effect on about 10 of the Landstar Facebook groups last weekend. We could go uh, I think I did on Friday night. We could yeah. go Friday night. And by Monday morning, I had potentially 10, 14 trucks that we could probably get if we wanted them, you know. So, you know, obviously it's been a huge success and and we're still, still getting calls. Even it's slowed down a little bit because it's been a week. And, and, and by the way, the official Landstar, Facebook page made me take it down because it, uh, it, it, they don't allow solicitation, even though, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> I can't resist. Honestly, can't. So they'll allow all kinds of other bullshit on that, on that, uh, Facebook page. But here we are trying to help people move their trucks with quality drivers and that's not allowed. So anyway, How dare but, you. but, um, so anyway, the, the point is here, we now are, we, we've, we've got three trucks committed right now that are on our, on the way to us. Okay. We've got probably about, uh, I would say three to four more we could probably have within a few weeks. And then we've got others that want to, do it but you know right now there's just no way we could we could put that many drivers in that quickly so the reason i say that is to say this is that if you have been one of the people that have that have indicated an interest by filling out our form on our website about wanting to drive for blue ribbon um and if, if we haven't talked to you that doesn't mean we weren't interested we just didn't have anything to talk to you about so if you want to reach out again we would love to have you uh, do that so that we can um, start the process of, um, you know, seeing who's going to be the best fit for these three trucks we got coming up. And we've got, again, that, at least that many more, if not more uh, in the next few weeks. So um, part of this is just making sure these trucks meet our, you know, Carl's going to have to look at all of them, you know, anything that's wrong with yep. them, it to be fixed and the various things. Some of them are in, and, and Landstar's made up of more than one, division and 
we're what's called inway, and so if the truck is not in inway division, we have to requalify it and put it back on with inway, which is a little bit of a bureaucratic, you know, deal. But anyway, it takes a little time to make this happen. But we would like to start getting that pipeline going again. For those now, if we've talked to you, we're good, okay? We're we're we'll. But if we haven't talked to you, uh, why don't you um, why don't you reach out to us either through that form on the on the web site or just email or, or or even text you know it doesn't matter and, and that way we can arrange to set up a zoom meeting and uh, between you and i and chris and uh and uh, you know see where this is see what your timing looks like see what the timing looks like on these trucks and so we think we can probably double the size of our fleet still uh potentially by the end of the year or certainly in the first quarter of next year and then that doesn't mean that we're still not going to add trucks um I've got uh, another situation where I think we're going to be able to get about four or five trucks um, uh, added to our fleet here in the first quarter next year as well. So I think that by the end, by the time we get to April, May, we could be three times the size we are right now, which is going to mean uh, a lot of opportunity for you guys that we haven't been able to take care of before. So um, it's been difficult to talk to someone and say, well, in six to nine months, we might have a truck for you, you know, that that kind of, knocks the shine off of it it's a good problem to have but still it still is a problem and we want to try to help as many of you as we as we can we're still working on a program where we could help you and you never drive here you know uh, matter of fact we've put some content together right now about that so we'll talk about that you know um i'm hoping that the, that the louisville truck show is not canceled next year and uh, if, if not, that's kind of in my mind, the rollout time for that kind of a program. We might actually do it there at the truck show. And so um, don't give up on us. Um, our, our maintenance issues, <laughs> knock on wood, are behind us right now. Uh, we've got a little bit of a deal right now on a truck that we've got in right now. But anyway, we should, be, uh, we should be in good shape. And we're making sure that all these trucks that we're bringing on that belong to other drivers are all in good shape before we put anybody in them. So. And let me, I want to I wanna make a couple of clarifications. So, so I want to kind of give you the big picture here. Because of this podcast that I kicked, that I dropped, brought Larry kicking and screaming into. And still does, by the way. It, it, it presented an opportunity where people that were interested in having someone do what we do, it gives us that ability to connect. So the people that we attract, if you listen to us and you're, and you're intrigued and encouraged by what you hear, well, th- that, that separates you from the rest of the herd. Okay. So we attract really high quality people because the, I mean, the people that wouldn't want to do this aren't going to listen to us in the first place. Right. Well, the difficulty for the BCO, that, that someone that's like, well, I, I, I see the opportunity to have additional trucks and increase my, my own personal wealth doing that, the difficulty that they have is that if you bring someone off to the street and you drop them in the Landstar system and they've never been a part of something like this before, it's a culture shock. It's something that a lot of people really struggle with. We've seen it. Um, We've had to hand, hold our driver's hands through this, you know, and get them used to how the system works. Well, you just pull somebody off the street and say, well, here, hey, company driver, here's a company driver job. And you drop them in the Landstar system, and it blows their mind. They have a stroke, and they're like, screw this, I'm out. It's very, very difficult 
for people that have trucks that don't have some sort of process like we do, an educational element, it's very, very difficult for them to retain drivers. So you have a situation where you have people with trucks and no drivers. You have us drivers with no trucks. We have found a beneficial solution where we can solve the needs of people that have equipment sitting there that, that's losing money. Um, we can help them. You know, they can go from making or they can go from losing money to making money. Um, we can get more people in because we, you know, somebody's already got a truck. We don't have to go through all the find a truck and rehab it and all the stuff that we have to do. So this is about creating a, a market-based mutually beneficial agreement between us and someone that owns a truck that we can all help one another out. Um, that's why we're doing this. And it, I think it's going to be successful. Larry's doing all the detail work and the contracts and all that kind of stuff. Make sure everybody understands exactly what we're doing. Um, but, but this is going to be, this is going to help a lot of people. But we have to make sure that the truck owner will support the truck the way we do. I mean, we talk a lot about how much we do, you know, we, we, we keep our trucks um, as mechanically sound as we know that they need to be, you know, I mean, if we've got mm -hmm. a driver that doesn't tell us something, we can't fix it. But if we know we got a problem, we, 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 we don't put it off. We don't ask the driver to live with it. We fix it as soon as it's feasibly possible to fix it without taking them off freight and costing them money, unless it's something that has to be done because of either safety or regulations, you know. But if the problem that, the, that this other BCO is having with keeping drivers is not necessarily the driver, but the fact that he won't keep his equipment up, it's hard to keep a driver in a truck where the owner of the truck won't fix anything, you know. Yep. I can't tell you how many BCOs I've talked to or how many drivers that have driven for the BCOs. And that's their number one complaint. Is, hey, the guy won't spend any money on the truck, you know. I can't make any money because I can't keep it running, you know. So there's a morale problem there. Well, we, obviously, we don't have that here. And we won't allow that to happen here because if they don't agree to a couple of different um, arrangements for us being able to you know, you know, I'm going to address the problem if the truck breaks down. If it's not my truck, I'm not going to pay for the problem. So, but that's what we're working on now with, uh, with arrangements with these other own, uh, owners, either through a maintenance fund or a credit card on file or there, you know, some things like that. So that we don't have to rely on them in that case they're not very responsive. And we can go ahead and treat it just like it's ours, but we have a way of financing it through them and not through us. So. Um, cause if we're going to do that, we might as well buy, buy the truck ourselves. The advantage right. to us doing this is we have a little less, less risk. We have, other, we have capacity faster at a, at a rate faster that we would be able to supply it if we were buying the trucks and having to bring them in and rehab and get them on the road. So, um, so anyway, we, th we think it's going to be a, one of those win-win situations. Again, should be a triple win, should be a win for the owner, win for us, a win for someone like you who wants to drive in that truck. And so, um, I, I think it's going to be a short term resolution to a capacity problem that we have, you know, and uh, present some opportunities better for you guys. So, so again, if you've, uh, if you've reached out or if you thought about, you know, joining our cause here, uh, this might be a good time to do it because we're going to have to decide on 
uh, you know, who's the best fit at this time, you know, and who's ready for it. And, and, and if you're not ready for it, I mean, we're not going to do it. So we might do it in, with the next wave of trucks, you know. So anyway, Chris. I think that's all I had. Uh, I was just thinking last night, Karen and I were at a restaurant and we were talking about the potential of the truck show. So we're trying to scout out some places here in West Virginia. If the truck show doesn't go that we're going to have our own, you know, so we can, um, have that, have that get together and celebration time and networking and all that kind of stuff here together. We're going to have a meeting. It might be at Louisville. It might not be. So, but, uh, no, I think that's it. We, you know, <clears throat> it, I can't reiterate enough. I, I, I came into being an owner operator just blind, you know, and feeling my way through and, and by some miracle, I lasted as long as I did. Uh, but if you're not prepared to put the time, the educational time into learning about maintenance and learning about how your truck works so that you can watch these people like a hawk and you have to, you absolutely have to, um, you just, you can't take your eyes off of it, you know, and you have to understand the basic concepts of how, of how your vehicle works and how it operates so that you can have some idea before you go into the shop of what's going on and, and what's going to have to be done. But you can't just, uh, except in those cases, you know, with Carl, I mean, I can, <clears throat> I can say, Hey, here's the keys and walk off. And when I come back, it's fixed, you know, I, and that, that, that's a relationship worth its weight in gold. Um, you know, and now we're working on, we're, we're feeling out this new guy, a guy named Billy that I've known for a long time. That's got a shop and, uh, you know, we're going to give it some time and, and it's so far so good. And we're going to let the relationship build and, uh, we'll probably be sharing that with y'all cause he'd like to make money too. So, um, we'll be letting you know about that, but yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. And especially with the rate environment, the way it is right now, in the market, um, there's a lot of money to be made right now. So strike while the iron's hot. So if any send, of you happen to be BCOs at Landstar, listen to this podcast, and you have trucks that are not seated, reach out to us. Yep. Okay. Larry at blueribbonlogistics.com. Chris at blueribbonlogistics.com. We're on Facebook, Blue Ribbon Logistics. Website, blueribbonlogistics.com. Click on Drive for Us. Um, like I say, send us, uh, you know, send us an email or fill out the form. Um, we're going to be filling some trucks and we're looking forward to talking to you and see if we can come to some kind of agreement. So if that's all you have, I'm good. I do. I do. Thanks for listening. We'll hopefully be not so long before we do another one. Okay. Yep. All right. Thanks guys. See See you next time.